You're listening to The Cannabis Hangout, two girls, one bowl, and a podcast that is breaking the stigma of marijuana. My name is Brandon. And my name is Saba. We will be connecting with a community of cannabis enthusiasts by educating people, sharing stories from medical marijuana patients, and interviewing industry leaders while debunking cannabis myths. So we invite you to come roll with us while while we we break break it all down. Friends, welcome back to another episode. I'm Brandon. I'm Saba. And we are your host of the Cannabis Hangout. On today's episode, we are speaking with someone who is a Missouri medical patient who works in the industry there as well as doing marketing for a cannabis company. It's always fun to hear from people in different states where cannabis is legal. So please welcome Erin to the Cannabis Hangout. Hi, Erin. Hello. Hi. Thank you guys so much for having me. Thank you so much for being here today. So let's just start from the beginning. Tell us where your cannabis journey first began. So um, I smoked for the first time at some point in high school. Um, Me and some friends would just smoke whenever we had it, you know. Um, And then that kind of continued through college. Um, I was a collegiate cheerleader so I had to kind of be careful with that you know um you have to really be um diligent with that you can't let that get in the way of your priorities at that point so I didn't use that much um until I graduated I finished school um May of 2021 and right as I was finishing school um this dispensary was opening and I had formerly known uh the GM of the store and so she called me one day and she was like, Hey, I know you're about to finish school. I don't know if you have anything lined up, but, um, I'm looking for bud tenders. So she gave me that option. I was like, let me think on it. I'm still applying for some other things. Um, and then the same day she called me back and was like, actually, do you want to be my assistant manager? And, um, I was like, yeah, let's go for it. And I'm very thankful I did. I, um, was the assistant manager of that store for a little over a year. And just within the past couple months, I have gotten a new job. Um, that's kind of where the marketing comes in. I'm a brand ambassador for a company called Good Day Farm. So um, basically, I just travel to a lot of the dispensaries in the state. I have my own territory, which is more so southwest Missouri. Um, but I go up to KC, I'm going to St. Louis tomorrow, actually, I go Southeast a little bit. So I just go to these stores that carry Good Day Farm products and I set up a table. They usually run 20% off or do some deals on Good Day Farm products while I'm there. And I get to be that face-to-face patient interaction person. That's exciting. That's a really cool. So before we dive into all the Good Day Farm stuff, Erin, what would you say, what's your go-to way to consume cannabis? Like, are you a flower girl? Do you like dabs? What is it for you? I will always be a flower girl at heart. Yes, um, <laughs> I can. Living relate. in an apartment, it's it's kind of hard whenever oh, yeah. they don't even, you're not even supposed to like vape there. So I get kind of scared to smoke there sometimes. So um, just as of recently, I got a Puffco and that has really changed the game for me. Um, so I use that a lot. Nice. I use, I like going with, um, like indica flower and dabs. Um, and then I also like using a sativa vape throughout the day. Kind of just keeps me going. Nice. What's your favorite consistency of dabs? Ooh, that's a tough question. <laughs> I've really been into batter lately. Um, I would say batter, like a sugar wax probably. Okay, yeah, we enjoy batter. We've been on some batter kicks lately. Yes. It's been nice. Uh, so, mm-hmm. 
tell me something you do that you like to do after you smoke. Like what's something that just helps you, you smoke and you're like, I just love to do this and just kind of escape. I really love doing like arts and crafts type of things. Um, I like painting. I like uh, doing puzzles. I like to, I've kind of experimented with doing resin crafts. I think it'd be super cool to do like smoking accessories with resin, but I just haven't fully dove into it yet. So just stuff along the lines of that. I also like to listen to music and hang out with just me and my dogs. <laughs> That's always the vibe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. And so what would you say, like, what's the dynamic like with your family and consumption? Like, are you pretty open with them? Are they supportive? Yes, I'm very thankful in that aspect. Um, my parents, like, have consumed, obviously, in the past. Um, it was never really something we talked about, like, if they had known that I smoked in high school, I would have been in like the, the worst trouble. But um, yeah, whenever I was getting the dispensary job at first, um, I told them kind of what it was going to be like and what I would be doing. And they were like, I think that would be pretty awesome. Like you should go for it if that's really what you want to do. So I did. And um, yeah, they're very supportive and they're always interested in what I have to say and what I have to talk about in my day-to-day. That's awesome. It's so nice to have a family that supports the career in because obviously you're not in like a normal career path because cannabis is becoming legal in more states and it's a little bit a newer of a career path. So it's awesome mm-hmm. that your family's super supportive of that. For sure. And I've had coworkers whose families aren't really supportive of it. So that really puts it into perspective as well. For sure. For sure. It makes it a lot harder when you can't be open with your family about where you work or if you do say something, it's constant like scrutiny. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So cannabis allows us to tap into different parts of ourselves. Do you feel like this plant has allowed you to do that? And if so, how do you think? Um, I would definitely say yes. Um, I've been diagnosed with severe anxiety and severe depression, and I've been on a few different meds for that. And honestly, like being in this industry and being around it all the time and being encouraged to like try new things. It's really done so much for my mental health. I don't take my meds anymore and I feel better than I ever have. So it really just facilitates diving deep into like those parts of your mind that you don't even really consider on a day-to-day basis. It's very healing. Yeah. So for, for somebody that's listening that might suffer from severe depression or anxiety, how did you go about finding like the perfect strains the perfect doses like what was that journey like for you because I know for everyone it's different and education especially online can be super overwhelming so how did you navigate through that yeah so it definitely helped um whenever I started okay I got my patient card um maybe a couple weeks after our dispensary opened and um it really helped having to learn all of like the different components of cannabis when it comes down to like cannabinoids and terpenes and all of those things. So I was gaining knowledge to be better at my job, but it was also helping me. So um, I really just started looking for indica leaning strains, um, looking for linalool, things like that. That's my favorite terpenes down, linalool, terpenaline, stuff like that. So those terpenes, you like them because of the like relaxing, the sedative effect or that it gives you like, is it just 
are those the two that you zone in on the most? Yeah, for sure. That is definitely mostly what I consume at nighttime. Like during the daytime, I very much prefer being lightly medicated, very much functional. So at night, that's what I really get to use it for the medicinal benefits. So seeking out those specific terps that are good for the anxiety and depression as well as pain. Like during here for my whole life, I definitely have some chronic back pain going on. And so it's really great for that as well. That's awesome. Are you, do you like edibles? I do like edibles. (laughs) You like a little bit of everything then? Yes. Yeah, for sure. I definitely just like kind of rotate through things. I'll, I'll smoke some flour for a couple weeks and then I'll switch into an edible groove. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. I actually just trans transitioned from my flower. I've been on a flower kick for probably a few months now, and I just bought like three grams of dabs the other day. So I've been on a dab mm-hmm. kick for a few days now. Kind of going there waves. Go. <laughs> yeah. So Aaron, at what point, like throughout your journey, did you realize that cannabis was a medicine for you and actually benefiting your body? Like, did you have a turning point in realizing it was more than just smoking to feel something different? Yeah, I would say. Um, I was put on meds for anxiety and depression maybe a year ago. Um, and then that really showed like what the pharmaceutical side could do. But then you also see that you get the same benefits in a sense from the plant. And it also makes you feel better physically. Like the medicine would hurt my stomach. It would give me headaches and cannabis doesn't do that. And if anything, it helps that as well. So, um, yeah, I'd say once I finally saw what it was like to be on legitimate prescribed pills, yeah. that's when I noticed cannabis really is healing. And yeah. seeing it from the patients that I'm helping point of view, like I've seen people from all walks of life and they are looking for the things that will best suit them for so many different ailments, like cancer patients, injuries, people who are in and out of surgeries all the time. Also seeing how it is beneficial medically for other people. It's so cool. It's always rewarding to be able to navigate their patient journeys and help them. Oh, for sure. That's like my favorite part. The most rewarding part of my job is helping people find exactly what they're looking for and like getting to hear them come back and say that actually works. That's, That's so rewarding. Yeah, it really is. So for our listeners who aren't familiar with like Missouri cannabis laws, can you give us a little rundown on like what it's like there and like when it became legal, et cetera? I know every state is so different. Yeah, for sure. So um, medical passed here back in 2018 by like a two-thirds majority. Um, It took a while to get all of that up and running, obviously, um, with having to start all the cultivation from the ground and all the manufacturing and stuff. Um, so the first sales began in October of 2020. Um, since that point, um, there are 192 dispensary licenses, um, 49 cultivation licenses and 74 manufacturing licenses. So it's definitely taken off so fast, just in such a short amount of time. There are 250,000 med patients right now. Um, and we have recreational going on the ballot this November. Wow, that's crazy. It's it, it's always interesting to hear how many like dispensaries and grows and stuff like that people have cuz in in Oklahoma perspective like 
everyone knows that Oklahoma was kind of the landmine where everyone just like ran to it. And like to put it in perspective, we have like over, I think, 2,000 dispensaries and over 8,000 growers. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of competition in Oklahoma. And not that it's it's a bad thing because every it gave everyone a piece of the pie, but it's very also very competitive in that it makes it harder for, I mean, 8,000 growers. Like how is everyone supposed to get their name out there? Yeah, exactly. That's like the one problem that Missouri patients have with um, like especially this recreational ballot that's about to go up. Um, It really doesn't allow for a whole lot of everyone being able to get their foot in the door. It does allow for more than just, you know, a few big companies, but it's definitely very competitive. Yeah, which can make it difficult. So setting up a new company can be difficult and confusing, but establishing a strong foundation with appropriate and necessary documents can help protect you in the long run. Yes, and with being business owners ourselves, Sob, we understand what it's like pretty well, I think. With BIC Legal, they practice in areas like family law, estate planning, business litigation, and review and draft contracts for your company while assisting in licensing applications, and so much more. And with the Oklahoma cannabis industry thriving, the rules and regulations related to cannabis are quite strict. Jade Pepworth with BIC Legal, she really enjoys working with companies from the ground up. So if you're looking for good legal help in Oklahoma, she's your girl. Let's get back to today's episode. For somebody in Missouri that's listening, um, how does one go about getting their med card? There are so many different ways you can go about it. Um, A lot of the dispensaries will be teamed up with like, I don't know if you guys have Elevate Holistics in Oklahoma, but um, dispensaries will pair up with uh, companies like that and they do virtual doctor visits. So you literally get on a Zoom call for like 15 minutes, talk to a doctor and kind of tell them like why you want to get the card. Um, most doctors will approve you. Um, and then you have to register with the state. Um, you have to pay the state a little bit of a fee and then they just send you a digital card, which I think is interesting. You never get a physical medical card. Oh, really? So we'll just have theirs on their phone and stuff. That's crazy. That's hmm. very interesting. Mm-hmm. I guess the same for us. Everything you were pretty much saying, except we have a physical card. Yeah, I actually had my temporary Oklahoma card for a little bit. I I made a little weekend trip down there one time and just saw everything that you guys had. It was really cool. That's cool. Was it hard for you to get your temp card? No. Um, So Oklahoma is the reciprocal state for Missouri. So if you have your Missouri patient card, they will pretty much automatically approve you. I forget Um, that they started doing that. Yeah, you can do like 30 days or 60 days, I want to say. I don't. I want to say it was like $100 for the 30 days. So that's, that's what I did. That's not bad and I was at all. Able to, yeah, I was able to go up there on two different weekends. Like, it was, it was a nice experience. That's cool. So what, it, do you know if the laws are similar? Like, if I was an Oklahoma patient to come to Missouri, do you know if I would be able to do the same thing? Not yet. But if um, the legal, um, the legal mode 2022 is what the recreational initiative is called. But if that passes, you would be able to do that. Okay, very interesting. It's always mm. cool to hear what the laws are like in and other states. It is weird. Because, it's like that we're more yeah. inviting with that, yeah. you know, than other states yeah, are. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. States. Yeah, I, I'm really hoping that it passes. I, it's going to make the industry a lot 
better from the medical program that we have now. Like, um, if you choose to keep your patient card when we're recreational, you'll have it for three years instead of just one. Mm -hmm. So you won't have to go through that renewal process every time. Um, That also allows you to carry. So right now, if you have a medical card, you can hold up to four ounces. So um, this would also bump that up to six. It would give um, at-home cultivators some more plants to work with. Um, And it also frees, not frees, it um, expunges cannabis offenses off of people's records, which is awesome. And it allows people on like probation to be able to medicate. Wow, that's awesome. That's a big deal. Mm -hmm. Wow. And when did you say that was supposed to go? It's it's up for voting, you said? Yes, it'll be on the November ballot. Um, We just got official word maybe a week or two ago because it's been so back and forth with it. We had to have a certain amount of signatures um, to get it on the ballot. And there were a couple times where they were like, oh, you guys don't have enough. It's not going to make it. And then it made it on. And then they were like, actually, some, somebody like sued over it and tried to get it taken off. So it's been very back and wow. forth, but it is a on this thing there. So. so do you think it'll pass? Um, I honestly do. I just saw an Instagram post earlier, actually, that said they're expecting it to pass at 62%. So wow. That's I'm really excited exciting. to see like how close those two numbers end up actually being, but for sure, you'll have to keep us posted. We'd love to hear and find oh. out more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, what would you say you notice about the cannabis market in Missouri that you like compared to like even you coming to Oklahoma and experiencing what we have just a little bit? It's been very cool to see the Missouri industry go from the ground up. Um, legal sales started in October 2020, and then I started working at the store in May of 21. So. Since May, it's just been changing so much. Like when I went to Oklahoma, I saw such a wide variety of things that you had from like edibles and like so many more strains of flour than we see and deli style flour, which is not very common here. Um, So just seeing like all the new products that have come out just in the past year, year and a half, it's, it's been so awesome. That is really cool. So wait, on the flip side of that, what do you feel like could use work? What was that? On the flip side of that, what Saba just asked, like, what do you feel like could use work in your state and the industry? Okay. Um, there's no way for patients to check their own allotment status. And so it leads to a lot of confusion and frustration when people come into the store and know exactly what they want to get. And then that's when they realize that they don't have enough in their monthly limit to purchase everything. So I definitely feel like there needs to be at least a portal or something where people can log on and kind of see like how much they're buying and like how, like when their allotment's going to come back and stuff. Um, just more like patient resources like that. Okay. What do you, can you kind of expand on that? Like, what do you mean? Like the allotment of what you're like, what you're allowed to carry on you? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So, um, you can purchase up to four ounces a month. Mm-hmm. Um, the way the amounts come off is a little bit odd. So say you bought an eighth that would take 3.5 off of your allotment. Oh, wow. But an eighth is equivalent to a gram of concentrate is equivalent to a hundred milligram edible. 
Wow. Okay, that's like rations, I feel like. You have to ration it out for the month. Wow. That's why I was confused when you were saying that. I was like, an allotment. Like, because we're able to just like... I could literally go in a dispensary, buy that amount, go home, then go to another dispensary, and then go home with that. Like, yeah, you can. You're like your allotments essentially change daily here. So, like, yeah. we can. I think we ours is like two to three, maybe th- or three to four ounces that we can buy, and then we have a concentrated amount, and then we have an edible amount. So we have three different categories, oh, wow. and not it doesn't all fall into one. Yeah, all of ours is grouped into one. They have that little conversion factor, um, and so when it comes down to patients knowing how much they have left of that, they can't get on and look and see how many grams they have left. Um, and they also don't really make it clear how those conversions like multiply. So higher dose edibles are becoming more popular here. The standard is usually like a hundred milligram pack. Um, so those higher dose edibles eat up a lot of your allotment and patients don't often realize that until they buy like a 500 milligram bag and then a lot of their allotment's gone. Dang. So. Yeah, that's like disappointing too. And that's like, mm-hmm. that's just, yeah. So how do, are you guys able to see on your end through the state what their allotment's like? Because you have to be able to, because then you have to stop selling to them. Yeah, we can see like their, how much they have left, but we can't see a history of their purchases unless it was made at that certain store. So, like, when you're trying to look at it and try to give them a rough idea of when they might get some back, um, you can't even tell them with full confidence because if they shop at other stores, like, you won't know where some of their things went. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, that seems, like, controlling. (laughs) Very. Very confusing. I just wish it was easier to navigate. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So you were talking about flour and how we had deli style, but you guys didn't have that. So how do you guys, like, how do you buy your flour there? How do you sell your flour there? Like, what's that process look like for you guys? There are a couple stores that um, operate deli style. They have like the big jars and they weigh it out for you. Um, You can get however many grams you want of certain strains, but in Missouri, um, the standard is a pre-packed eighth. Um, They'll do pre-packed quarters. It's very rare that you see single grams unless it's already in a pre-roll. Um, bulk flour is pretty hard to come by. Um, you see some like half ounces, but you don't see a lot of full ounces packed that you can just buy at one time. You would have to buy literally eight jars of eight. Oh, wow. So do the growers do all the packaging themselves or is that something you guys do in-house? Um, there have been a couple times when I was working at the dispensary that they would send us a bulk bag and we would get to weigh it out. I always like doing that, but um, most of the time they will do that in the facilities before they ship it out. Okay. And then like when you guys decide what growers you want to work with, like how does that work? Do you work with all the growers? Do you only work with specific growers? Like what's that process look like? So the first company I worked for, um, they had their stores and then they had their grow and manufacturing Um, In the beginning, they were only supplying for that store, and then we would buy other brands. Um, But then there are a lot of stores that don't have their own cultivation, and so they'll just buy from all other brands, if that makes sense. Yeah, that does. That's interesting. I always love to hear how other states do their things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So personally, what's your favorite thing about working in the cannabis industry there? Um. 
I love that everyone is always so happy to be at work. Like I've never felt that way before. And it's awesome where like just to be in an environment where everyone is so enthusiastic about what they're doing and they care about it and they're knowledgeable and you hardly run into anybody with like sour attitudes, which is hard to come by these days. I feel like. Yeah, that's always a plus when you have positive people around you. Yeah, because it could be very different, but it sounds like you're in a good place. Yes, So very thankful. What's been the most rewarding part about getting to do what you're doing? And do you have any patient stories that stand out to you that you'd like to share? So when I was um, at the dispensary, I didn't do a whole lot of bud tending, but kind of like I said earlier, it is really rewarding when you do get to help somebody find exactly what's going to work for them. Um, But a lot of it has been educating people on my life, people in my life about it. Okay. Um, So just like family, family friends who you would never expect to like to even reach out about it. (laughs) That's the best though. You're like, okay. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then like just helping them feel more confident in what they're doing and let them know that they're not doing anything wrong. Yeah, right. Yeah. Just reassuring them. Breaking that stigma, baby. <laughs> yes, exactly. So being a woman in the industry with so many men can have its ups and downs. What's it been like for you? Have you had any struggles there? Not really. Um, at the dispensary, it was me and another woman who were the managers. We were such a power team. Um, we never really had anybody, some patients would come in and be like, I want to talk to the manager. And then my little five, one blonde self (laughs) would come through the door and they'd be like, no, I want to talk to the man. And so like, that's really the only extent that I've faced that. Um, the company that I'm with now has, um, a big percent of woman ownership. So I've never really been put in a situation like that, which makes me very thankful. Yeah, that's good. It's good to hear that, that you've had a really good experience with that because I know not everyone has the best experiences and sometimes it can be a challenge working with men. Um, but I'm glad that you've had good experiences. It's important. Yes. So we ask everyone this question, Aaron. but what is a stigma surrounding cannabis that you'd like to see changed? I would say that you're not lesser than anybody else because you work in this industry. Um, it's not just out here like selling people drugs. Um, it takes a lot of knowledge and passion, especially to be able to operate in a medical market. Um, you really have to be on top of things and know what you're talking about. So, um, yeah, just that everyone in this industry is super passionate and knowledgeable and you have to be that way. It's not just a lazy industry where you can do whatever you want. Yeah, that's good. That's great. That yeah. is really good. That's very important. Mm-hmm. Well, Aaron, I think this wraps up our episode for today. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to be here with us and share your story. We appreciate you. Thank you guys for having me. This has been a goal of mine. So thank you for making it happen. Oh, of course. And for anyone listening, you can see what Aaron's up to on Instagram. It's Aaron, E-R-I-N dot Cloyd, C-L-O-Y-D. Yes. Stay tuned for next week's episode, guys. And as always, Bran, stay medicated. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season one of Dope History is now available at dopehistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at dopehistory.com.